Hello and welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Candice. Grab a biscuit because we've got the tea on all things infertility. If you'd like to stay up to date with our story, follow me on Instagram at Operation Baby Bump. And subscribe to my YouTube channel, Operation Baby Bump. To get connected with others going through infertility, you can join the forums on theinfertility.com. This is a community resource created for infertiles by infertiles. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate us and leave us a cheeky little review. Hey guys, wel- welcome to episode 11. 11-3. 11-3. Um, Today we wanted to talk about... Uh, PCOS. And I had the pleasure of speaking with my good friend Suzanne, who has PCOS. And um, Daniel, do you remember the first time you met Suzanne? I do. They cooked us delicious food. They made us steaks. And Daniel and I, right, I had already met Suzanne. And um, Daniel and Chris, her husband, had sort of a blind date. He was awesome. We knew that they would hit it off. And so, yeah, they hit it off. And then (laughs) I remember Suzanne was, like, gearing up for her second transfer. Mm -hmm. And um, I was also gearing up for a transfer, like, a couple weeks after that. Mm -hmm. Or had I just had a transfer? No, we were gearing up for it as well. So, yeah. Um, I think it was just a little bit after hers, but it was funny because we made virgin pina coladas, and (laughs) um, I remember we had such a good time with them, Mm -hmm. and then we pulled out of the driveway, and I said something like, and we never saw them again, (laughs) because (laughs) I just knew she was going to get pregnant, and then we couldn't be friends anymore. I I always make that joke that (laughs) if someone gets pregnant, we can no longer be their friends. It's... But I'm, I'm sorry. That's why we have no elite. friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, let's get to the show. All right, all right. Hi, guys. I'm here with Suzanne, who's looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I feel like I would be less nervous if I don't look right at you. Yeah, well, then I'll look at you and Chris's picture up there. Okay. And you look at yourself in the mirror right there okay I don't know that that'll make it less awkward though that will probably make (laughs) it worse so today we're going to talk about PCOS which is better known as polycystic ovarian syndrome right I think it's polycystic ovarian syndrome which is better known as PCOS okay okay (laughs) see I'm not the expert I'm sure that a lot of people have heard about PCOS but maybe Um, I mean, especially if you're a part of the infertility community and you probably have connected with a lot of different people that have PCOS, um, but maybe you don't really know what it is, which is the whole point of this whole series. Um, So I just want to introduce my friend Suzanne really quick. Um, Suzanne and I met on Instagram, which is how I meet all my friends these days. (laughs) That's how I met Ashley. Um, a couple episodes ago, that's how I met Kelsey, uh, from last week's episode. And I mean, I feel like this is becoming normal. It's, you know, I don't meet 
people in person anymore. So this is good. I can't really remember how exactly we met. I feel like you messaged me one day because you saw that I went to the same clinic as you. I did. You had posted something about, it It was some post about financial issues with Oh yeah. Coastal. Yes. And I yeah. had sent you a message and said, like we're I'm about blowing to, my yeah. own cover for yeah. stalking you on Instagram. <laughs> but here's some extra information. Not realizing yeah. that you had already been there for however many years and yeah. been through the whole. She didn't realize they thing. have like a conference room named after me, basically. Exactly. <laughs> so I sent you information that you already knew. <laughs> but at least our friendship grew up. But it was it. sweet. And then like right after that, we exchanged phone numbers and we were like texting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I texted you. We had friends come into town. Oh, yeah. Who the weekend didn't end well. we'll yeah. Just... Yeah. And I actually talked Long about this short. on our episode. They said, what? Mm-hmm. Just go back and listen to that and try and figure out which one is hers. But um, yeah, I uh, I got to text you through that. That was intense. Yeah, I think you sent me a message on Instagram that was like, text me anytime. Yeah. And then 24 hours later in the middle of the night, I was like, Candace, I'm having a terrible night. Can I talk to you now? That's what I'm here for, guys. 24 hour therapy. Free therapy. If you want my number, DM me. Um, so yeah, that's how we met. Um, Suzanne, how did you meet your husband, Chris? Funny story of how I met Chris, actually. It was St. Patrick's Day, and I was at a bowling alley with my mother, and (laughs) Chris and I had mutual friends, so I was there with a friend of mine, and then Chris came with friends of his who knew my friend, and we met that way. So that was the first time that we met each other, Um, but he was already in a relationship at that point. Okay. Yeah, so... We're just... Well, my mom thought Chris was really cute. And the next day, wouldn't stop talking about Chris. So I had to explain to her that he was already in a relationship. So it wasn't for a few months later, we ran into each other coincidentally at work because we're both attorneys, but had never met each other before that. Um, Ran back into each other. And then at that point, that summer, started dating him. Mm -hmm. And then got married a little over two years later. So August 2016. Nice. And and then started on this wonderful journey of infertility. Yeah. How long were you married when y'all started trying? I stopped taking birth control the month that we got married. So we knew when we got married that we wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. And that I don't know that the thought was let's get pregnant immediately, but the thought was let's just see what, see happens. what happens. Yeah. I'll get off birth control. You know what everyone thinks. Mm-hmm. I'll get off birth control, and then my body will just oh, yeah. return Regulate. to normal, and then yeah. we'll get pregnant when it's meant to happen, oh, which yeah. hopefully will be like three months later. Oh, um, yeah. So it didn't quite work out that way, but that was the thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that too. Didn't we all? And here I am with cobwebs. <laughs> Not all, anymore. In all my orifices. Not anymore. <laughs> we cleared those right out. <laughs> Yeah, don't have cobwebs anymore. Um, so did you always know that you had PCOS? Like when you started going to the gynecologist as a 
you know, young adult? Um, or did you find out when you guys started trying? I had no idea that I had PCOS. And I think that's a fairly typical story. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't know that they have PCOS until they start trying to get pregnant Mm -hmm. and they have issues getting pregnant and it gets diagnosed afterwards. And PCOS is such a funky diagnosis because there isn't one particular thing that makes it so that you have PCOS. Right. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but um, since it is just kind of a combination of symptoms that leads to the diagnosis and the symptoms can vary and they're different for everyone and PCOS can look different in everyone. A lot of times people don't realize that they have it until they can't get pregnant and through talking to their doctor about their various symptoms, they come to the diagnosis of PCOS and that was the case for me. I had no idea that I had it until... um, almost a year after we had first started trying to get pregnant. Really? And how did they find it? How did they diagnose that? So PCOS, it's a hormonal condition. Um, And maybe I should start with the caveat that I'm not a doctor. (laughs) So if any doctors are out there listening right now and wondering what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. I'm sure We are doctors, okay? (laughs) We're a bunch of infertile people who know a lot of crap about our bodies. Yes, I'm going to give you and each the, other's bodies. the infertile person's <laughs> layman's explanation for PCOS so everyone can be patient with me. Um, but it's a hormonal condition and the cause of it is unknown. They don't know what causes it. Oh, good. Another unknown. Yeah, That's... lots of unknowns. There's lots of unknowns with PCOS, actually. Um, but one of them is what causes it. But generally speaking, um, it's a hormonal condition. So your hormones are funky. And there are certain hormones in particular that are funky. So typically speaking, it's elevated androgen levels, which is the male hormone. Um, And it's depleted progesterone levels. And it's a lack of response to insulin in your body. So typically, for a typical person with PCOS, Um, Your body is resistant to insulin, and so your body makes more and more and more insulin, which Mm -hmm. makes more androgens. Yeah. And that's kind of the typical PCOS condition. Yeah. So when I think about PCOS, because everybody I've known to have it, when they do IVF, they have like 50 follicles on one ovary, 50 follicles on the other, yet all of the eggs are never going to be mature. So they're not going to all be filled with mature eggs. Is that, you know, you did IVF. Um, How many eggs did you get when you did IVF? Yeah, so a couple things with that. The first thing, kind of, it's easier to understand PCOS if you understand how things are supposed to work Mm -hmm. and then compare that to how things work when you have PCOS. Mm -hmm. So the way it's supposed to work is you have your period, Mm -hmm. and at at the end of your period, when your cycle begins, your ovaries are filled with follicles, Mm -hmm. assuming you you have normal ovarian reserve and all that type of thing, how it's supposed to work. You have all your follicles, um, and then throughout the course of the next few days or a couple weeks, 
different hormones kick in so that one of those follicles becomes the dominant one. Right. And at that point in time, the other follicles evaporate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My medical term. <laughs> but the one follicle that's dominant, that's the one that releases the egg. And if you have sex at the right time, that egg gets fertilized and that starts the pregnancy. So that's how it's supposed to work. When you have PCOS, you have the follicles in your ovaries, but the hormones that are supposed to kick in so that one of the follicles becomes dominant and releases the egg, they don't kick in the way that they should. And so what happens is those follicles sit in your ovaries um, and they never mature and they never release the eggs Mm -hmm. and you don't ovulate. And that's what leads to one of the main indicators of PCOS, which is you're not ovulating, you don't have a regular period, sometimes you don't get your period at all, and obviously if you're not ovulating, you don't get pregnant. Yeah. So a lot of times PCOS patients will have um, a lot of follicles built up in their ovaries because they haven't matured and they haven't released the eggs. So um, sometimes those follicles that don't mature and don't release eggs become cystic Mm-hmm. And that's where the term polycystic ovarian syndrome comes from. Mm-hmm. But like I was saying with PCOS, not everyone's the same. And so not everyone has the cystic ovaries. Right. I see a lot of people with PCOS. Let me just say that. And so many are different. So that's kind of what I, I wanted to highlight how different within the diagnosis of PCOS things can really be for people. Yeah. And actually the symptoms vary so significantly in people with PCOS that there's kind of these subcategories of Mm -hmm. PCOS, but there's the typical PCOS patient and the typical symptoms. And then um, there's lean PCOS, which is um, usually if you have this kind of subcategory of PCOS that they call lean PCOS, you don't have the same type of insulin resistance issues. Um, And so some of the more typical symptoms that you would see with PCOS, like um, being overweight or excess hair, excess sweatiness, acne. (laughs) Me. (laughs) Yeah. Everything like Candace. Yeah. Um, Basically Have you looked into whether you have PCOS? (laughs) I don't actually have it, but I have a lot of symptoms of it. (laughs) So those are kind of what I call like the poster child Mm -hmm. PCOS symptoms. Um, and, And they are linked more closely with an insulin resistance issue. If you have lean PCOS, a lot of times the issue isn't the insulin resistance, and so you don't have those same symptoms. And so it's called lean PCOS because a lot of people who have kind of that subcategory of PCOS are not overweight, Mm -hmm. like someone with the kind of more typical symptoms of PCOS often are. So... To get back to what you were saying, yes, the symptoms are kind of all over the board. And so what I understand from my doctor and from just doing some research on it is that you will be diagnosed with PCOS if you meet three qualifying factors, Mm -hmm. maybe. So if you have two out of three of the main PCOS symptoms, then you'll be diagnosed with PCOS. So one of them is high androgen levels that we talked about, Mm -hmm. um, irregular periods, or cystic ovaries. Did you have irregular periods like as as you were growing up? I did, 
but I, you like but I got on birth control. Yeah. And one of the reasons why PCOS goes undiagnosed for so long is because birth control disguises yes. almost all of the symptoms and you don't realize that you have PCOS because the birth control regulates everything. Yes. It helps with the acne, it helps with the irregular periods. Um, and when I got on birth control, well, before I got on birth control, my periods were irregular, but I was 16, right. 17, yeah. 18, and it's fairly typical to have irregular periods when you're that age. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it, and yeah. I certainly wasn't trying to get pregnant. Right, so. of course, and I think that's the thing that really makes me mad in hindsight looking back is that general practitioners are so quick to slap adolescents on birth control um, to treat things like acne. But that's why I got on it. I had really bad skin. Um, and you spend, like I was on birth control for probably 12 years. And I spent 12 years of my life, like you said, my symptoms were disguised. I had endometriosis that whole time. And that just regulated everything and I wasn't in that much pain but when I got off the birth control that's when like we were talking about earlier you get off to let your body regulate this that and the other and that's when everything kind of hits you and then by that time you're it's like you're just learning your body at an adult age at in in a marriage trying to have a baby and man, I just wish that there was some other way. That definitely was true for me. I didn't start learning my body, you know, as you say it, until I got off birth control when I was 30 years old. Mm -hmm. But I will say one thing that is a little bit unique, I think, for people that are diagnosed with PCOS that I didn't know until I started to have these conversations with my fertility doctor. While the birth control blanketed the symptoms of PCOS and disguised them in such a way that I didn't realize that I had PCOS and I probably would have found out sooner had I not been on birth control. The fact that I was on birth control actually was a good thing for me Yeah. because with PCOS, since your cycle isn't properly regulated by your hormones and you don't have regular periods your uterine lining doesn't shed as often as as women really? it's meant to shed and what happens is there's a buildup of sometimes abnormal cells yeah in your uterine lining yeah and one of the things that I've talked about with my doctor is now that I know that I have this diagnosis of PCOS if I'm not trying to conceive mm-hmm. I really need to be on birth control um, because it it helps regulate the shedding of the uterine lining. And yeah. without that, there's an increased risk of uterine cancer yeah. due to the buildup of abnormal cells. So, you know, there's good and bad to it. Mm-hmm. it. It was bad to be on it that long because I didn't realize that I had PCOS. But the good part about it was that it was regulating my cycles and it was decreasing my risk of yeah. uterine cancer. Yeah. So... Yeah, and we talked about this in last week's episode about polyps and fibroids and Asherman syndrome and how, you know, if your body is not able to have a period normally, that's not a good thing. I mean, we all hate periods, but if you get those buildups in your uterus, you can get polyps and polyps can be cancerous. Um, 
And then, of course, Asherman syndrome, which um, Kelsey shared her story about last week. And that's just scary. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Um, it probably was a huge protective factor. And it probably was a protective factor for me because I didn't suffer to the extent that I probably would have um, with the endometriosis. And from what I understand, um, the birth control helps most of the symptoms. So maybe it was. And maybe. The, thing, the thing about PCOS is unless you're trying to get pregnant, it's it's not necessarily a problem right. that you have PCOS. Yeah. There aren't other indicators on your health other than, you know, if you have some of those kind of more typical PCOS symptoms um, like obesity, mm-hmm. then Me. for health reasons, <laughs> stop. <laughs> For health reasons, you might want to address the PCOS, but typically, if if all you have is PCOS, you know, I put that in quotation marks, but yeah. if that's all you got, yeah. then you are prescribed birth control to help manage your symptoms, yeah. and it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, the problem is when you're trying to get pregnant, yeah. that's when PCOS becomes an issue because it is one of the leading causes of infertility. And, and even once you get pregnant, you have a very increased chance of miscarriage if you have PCOS. Really? Why is that? They don't know. It's another one of the things with PCOS. Is it that because they just, of the hormone levels? They don't know. They think, well, it's kind of two different things. They think that one of the th- issues with PCOS is they know that it inhibits ovulation. So that's obviously kind yeah. of the first infertility red flag but even for the women who ovulate with PCOS but don't get pregnant um, they think that maybe the hormonal factors make it so that the egg is not able to be penetrated by the sperm that it's a harder shell Mm -hmm. or yeah like whatever the was harder exactly um and and they think even if it's not that even if the egg itself can be fertilized that Due to the hormonal imbalance, your body just isn't able to keep the pregnancy mm-hmm. and that that is what causes you to not get pregnant. Or if you are able to get pregnant, your body can't keep the pregnancy because your horm- hormonal levels are off or the fact that your h- hormonal levels were off earlier in the cycle through something off with your lining or, yeah, you know, they really just don't know. But there was a fairly recent study that was done that suggested that for women who have PCOS who got pregnant through IVF, they had approximately a 60% chance of miscarriage. Wow. So it's just a really high percentage of miscarriage. And and so what I was saying before to kind of bring this back full circle Mm -hmm. is if somebody's not trying to get pregnant, PCOS really isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, it's easily treated or addressed with birth control. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to get pregnant, PCOS really can inhibit inhibit pregnancy, but then also lead to miscarriage. Yeah, so that's awful. I didn't know that part about it. Wow, that's scary. Yeah, I know. But um, as a, a ray of hope for anyone listening. I did get pregnant, so <laughs> why don't you it's tell not us impossible. about that? Tell us about your story. So to bring us back, Chris and I got married in 2016. I came off birth control in August and got my first period in December. Got wow. another period in January, 
And then by May, still hadn't had a period. So in almost a year, I had my period twice. And so you were thinking this time, like you had just gotten off birth control and having regulated cycles for so many years, you're thinking, what the heck is going on? A little bit, but at the same time, everything that you read online tells you when you first get off birth control, it may take a while for your body to regulate. Don't freak out. Don't call your doctor. (laughs) You know, everything will return to normal soon. And so for a while, um, I just thought it was taking my body a little Mm -hmm. while to regulate itself because I had been on birth control for 12 years. Yeah. Um, And so I I didn't call my doctor right away. Um, And also I was completely... 100% 100% clueless about how things work <laughs> other than you know yeah. you have to have sex to get pregnant yeah. that's basically where my knowledge ended <laughs> I didn't even know the simplest things about when you ovulate or you know I thought you could have sex anytime during your cycle <laughs> and you would just get pregnant oh. maybe you would or maybe you wouldn't I didn't know oh. so um Yeah, a lot of wasted pregnancy tests, as you might imagine, from August to December when I wasn't getting my period. When did you figure out you were doing it all wrong? (laughs) Um, well, you know, probably, yeah, I don't know, and, and... I probably don't even want to admit to it because then I'd be embarrassed for how long it took me to figure out. At some point in time, I started Googling, trying to figure out why I hadn't gotten my period. And as a result of that Googling, that Googling led to other Googling where I realized, oh, wait, you know, you have to ovulate and these sorts of things. (laughs) Oh, so cute. Yeah. It's so embarrassing to talk about it, but no. But the point listen, is, like, I really was clueless. They they teach you all through like adolescence and young adulthood. They hammer it into you not to get pregnant. They tell you just enough in sex ed to like pretty much scare you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually fun fact. I was actually kicked out of my sex education class um, because I was really immature in middle school and I laughed at everything and they didn't even give me the opportunity to laugh at it. So they were just like, you're going to need to go out in the hall for the next two days. Well, see, even so if I didn't that even were get sex story, education, I would feel better because then I would have an excuse for why I didn't know all of this stuff. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that I was present in sex ed class and just, just still didn't know but this. you're not interested at that age like nobody is really paying attention you and nobody's about... taking notes to figure out how you do get pregnant no the notes are taken on how you avoid getting right pregnant. exactly so yeah so it took me a while but I will say um one of the signs of PCOS that you know if you're out there listening and, and you're not sure maybe this is you or maybe it's not as I started to realize how the process worked um, and I started charting my temperatures, trying to figure out the if old I basal had, thermometer. Yes, mm-hmm. trying to figure out if I was getting close to ovulation or if I had ovulated. My temperatures were all over the chart. Really? Yeah, and I guess that is fairly typical mm-hmm. um, because your hormones just aren't doing what normally they would do during a cycle if you don't have yeah. PCOS. And so um, <laughs> my temperature charts were like. Um, four months long also so you can imagine the um, yeah the wasted ovulation tests along with pregnancy tests but so that went on for quite a while and then it wasn't until May that I actually went in and saw just my regular OB and when I explained to her 
what had been going on, she did an internal ultrasound and saw all of the follicles on my ovaries. Um, and they were cystic, but there's different kinds of cysts and there's different levels of, um, I don't know, significance or, mm-hmm. and mine really wasn't that bad, but it was enough that indicated that PCOS was the correct diagnosis. Yeah. And so she had put me first on metformin, um, which I really struggled with. It made me pretty sick mm-hmm. and gave me hot flashes and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and so we switched to Clomid that summer. And I was on Clomid for five or six months. And I, I Clomid. The gateway drug. <laughs> uh, yeah. We've all been there. We've all been there, <laughs> done that. Um, and actually, I was ovulating. But I well, wasn't good. getting pregnant. Right. And at that point, my regular OB said there's really not much else we can do for you. Let us refer you to a fertility clinic. Mm -hmm. And so um, I went to the fertility clinic. I actually requested to stay on Clomid a few more months, thinking, you know, typically if absolutely nothing is wrong at all, they say, you know, the very knowledgeable they out there, (laughs) they say give your body eight months and that's a typical amount of time that it would take you to get pregnant and so my thought process was let me let myself ovulate for eight months and see if I can get pregnant Mm -hmm. and so we did that did not get pregnant um decided to do just one round of IUI which didn't work Mm -hmm. and then started IVF that following spring so did the egg retrieval I think you asked me earlier how many eggs I got it's interesting um with PCOS they, they now being the fertility doctors, they're super cautious about PCOS patients. Like getting of, too many follicles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a really heightened risk of OHSS. Yes. Um, and for anybody in the PCOS community, this is, I'm sure, something that's come up with your fertility doctors. Um, no matter which fertility drug you're on, they're particularly cautious with PCOS patients because if even if you're doing an oral medication like Clomid, there's an increased risk of multiples if you have PCOS. Right. If you're doing IUI, your body very easily matures a lot of follicles once you're on those stimulating hormones. Mm-hmm. And so with IUI, you know, the goal is really to just have the one right. dominant follicle that releases one egg. Yeah. And if you get too many dominant follicles, they'll cancel an IUI cycle because they don't want you releasing three or four eggs in an IUI cycle. So with IVF, they are really cautious with the amount of hormones that they'll let you take because of the increased risk of OHSS. And that ended up causing a problem for me. Um, but the opposite problem. So they were overly cautious. And they didn't give you enough. They didn't give me enough. I had a lot of, well, I shouldn't say I have a lot because compared to other PCOS people who have 50 or 60 follicles, I didn't have a lot. But I think I had like 24 follicles at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And they ended up, when they did the egg retrieval, I had nine eggs. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily that nine eggs was a bad result. Mm Mm-hmm. But given the amount of follicles that I had that could have matured if we had increased the dose of medicines, Mm -hmm. nine was less than what we were expecting. Right. So um, we collected nine eggs. And then at the end of the six-day 
horrible wait. <laughs> yeah. Where you look at your phone 500 yeah. times. Um, we had four embryos left. That's awesome. So, and we chose not to do the PGS testing, which is just another topic for another day. <laughs> In retrospect, I wish that we had. My husband, Chris, says he's glad that we didn't. So, yeah. Um, but we did one transfer that didn't work. And then we did the second transfer of two embryos and got pregnant. And that's the pregnancy that I have now. Yeah. With one Congratulations. little boy. So thanks. Yeah, we're Woo. really excited. I know that. I didn't realize you transferred two embryos. We did. I think I forgot that. So we have one information. left. So you have one left. Yep. And we don't know if they're if it's a boy or a girl. The embryo that's left yeah. anyway. See, so. yeah, because not doing PGS, you get to find out like normal people do. We got to find out like normal people. <laughs> so, so that's our story, I think. That's amazing. Well, I'm, I hope that this provides hope to some people struggling with PCOS and going through this because I think you did have a really good result. Um, and how far along are you now? 27 weeks. 27 weeks. And it's the cutest bump. I'm looking right at it. She thinks it's little because of the way I'm sitting. Well, <laughs> we went to breakfast, and I swear when she got there, like, it was small. But then when we ate, like, it popped out. Just but wait. If it were 9 fair, o'clock at night. <laughs> to be fair, m- my bump is looking pretty big right now. And I don't your even Your waffle have, bump? <laughs> your, your biscuit my bump? My biscuit bump. We had um, biscuits. Well, you had a waffle. I had a biscuit with a big old fried chicken in the middle there was cheese there were grits and the employees tried to warn us that we really only needed to order one thing because that was plenty of food yeah and which we found rude I was like I'm sorry but you have not seen me eat before just ask my husband I can put some food away he calls me a whole meal of food kind of girl (laughs) just to prove our point we did order sides and we did eat them and we did eat them so like so he came back and he was like, is everything okay? And I'm like, no. Like, my plate was empty when I got here. <laughs> I demand a refund. But it was delish. If you're ever in Charleston, come check out the Maple Street Biscuit Company. A free delish. plug right there. Yeah. They should be not paying sponsored. us to eat those, <laughs> to eat those They biscuits. do not sponsor my podcast. That was for free. <laughs> Perfect Bars picks them up today. Also for free. <laughs> Because I love perfect bars. Call, call. <laughs> also, we're free. If anyone wants to come by my house and pick up the dead <laughs> raccoon out of my yard, you may have that for free. I rolled up. <laughs> and there were like vultures in our yard having a feast. It was oh, great. We can cut that part, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Suzanne, thanks for letting me invite myself over on a Saturday when you'd probably rather be taking a nap and letting me come and stick a microphone in your face for 30 minutes. It's been fun. And I'm sorry for anyone who has a better understanding of PCOS (laughs) than me. You seemed pretty knowledgeable. You're welcome to DM me and (laughs) make me smarter, please. I learned a lot. I really did. Good. So thank you so much. That's the goal, right? (laughs) All right, we've got to go take a nap, guys. Yeah, nap time. Okay, bye now, guys. How was that? Um, so that... were you not mature enough to be in sex education? I think I was, 
Um, I think that I p- was pretty immature back then. Um, back then. <laughs> shut up. Oh. Uh, my best friend Chelsea and I would look at National Geographics oh, and gosh. we would dog ear the pages that had like penises Why? and boobs on them. <laughs> Why? Because we were immature, and it, we we went to a private Christian school, and so <laughs> <laughs> we were bored, <laughs> and oh. we thought it was really funny that there were n- magazines in our classroom oh. that had a bunch of boobs and penises hey, in hey, it. Hey, Chelsea, check out page 62. It's got a schlong. We literally would dog ear the pages and pass, well... Of course, we got separated. So she would be on one end of the classroom and I was on the other. And so I would like dog ear a page and pass it all the way down to her. And then we got banned from National Geographics. That's a true story. Um, What? The website? No, the books. The the magazines. You were banned from using a magazine. Yes. We were not allowed to look at them at all. Be gone, devil. Be gone. Um, And so when sex ed rolled around, it was like a two-day thing. And I remember sitting in (laughs) the first part of the class and they were talking about periods I must have made a face or something because they were like, Candace, go sit in the hall. Oh. Which is what they did to me all the time. And the reason is, is I was the only kid in this, basically that whole school that had any type of personality besides Chelsea, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I just liked to laugh and have fun. And, you know, they didn't like me for that. So, anyways, I didn't get a proper sex education, which is probably why it's been eight years and I still no. have baby. Oh. No. <laughs> this is your fault, Bethesda. Yeah, it's your fault. School. Anyways. Yeah, so that's just a stupid little story. Look how far I've come, though. I'm so Good mature now. No. No. <laughs> well, um... We're going to go now because we're cramped up in our little bed with our dogs um, recording this podcast because we just moved. Yep. So um, I'm getting a leg cramp. Okay, let's get out of it before (laughs) the lactic acid builds up and I have to rub it out. All right, we're going to go now. Thanks for listening. I'm Daniel. And I'm Candice. Night-night. Night-night.